Welcome to another episode of Learn with Bestern, where we discuss the latest trends in leadership development, self-development, as well as well-being. There's so much information out there. We want to make sure we bring in the latest insights and research based on neuroscience and behavior change to give you the tools that you need to make a change in your personal and professional lives. Join us on a journey to learn more. We hope you enjoy this episode and don't forget to subscribe and share this episode with others that might find it helpful. We are all excited when we hear success stories of companies implementing new business models and launching innovative products. Uh, It means evolution, creating value for customers. But there is a sad reality to that. According to McKinsey, 70% of transformations fail. Contributing factors include there is not enough high aspirations, a lack of engagement within the organization, and insufficient investment in building capabilities across the organizations to maintain and develop the change. And when we are talking about capabilities, we are not just talking about throwing money into understanding new processes or understanding new technologies. It's about the capabilities to create the mindset of of people in the organizations. Another sad reality is that there is no model that can fit the particularities of a specific industry. We cannot just say, let's go tech, let's have new processes, or let's invest what we need on what we need, and we will get results. Fortunately, today is a good day. I got a thought leader to speak with us in the Learn with Bessel podcast, Jorge Castellote. And if you're feeling that the sound is not correct in this podcast, and we sound a little bit weird and it's not because today you have the episode in a natural way. It is that you have two natural English with Spanish accents. So don't worry, it is just a natural accent. So let me tell you a little bit about our guest, Jorge Castellote. He has been working with hundreds of companies in the transformation during close to 15 years. First in one of the big consulting groups and lately in his own company, in no way. A change consulting, consulting group that has helped companies in almost all continents. And I wanted to bring this discussion that we have got already with Jorge for so many years. So that, because we already know each other for so, so, such a long time. And I wanted to bring it here because it has been quite interesting to understand all of this wealth of experience that he has with different companies. and. Jorge, what can I say? Welcome to today's episode. Well, Ivan, thanks for having me. I hope I can add value to this uh, amazing initiative that you're you're putting together. So guys, if you have noticed, amazing accent. Both of us <laughs> with the Spanish accent, that is going to be awesome for today. So Jorge, I, I wanted to understand. So in the, in the last 10 years, the majority of organizations have embarked on initiatives to create new products, services, or simply create efficiencies. Um, What do you feel out of your experience are the biggest misconceptions that you have observed when companies start launching a change program, a transformation program? What have you observed? Well, um, I think uh, from the beginning, you need to understand 
what do you want to accomplish and how are you going to measure that? And when doing that exercise with top leadership, you find out that there's a bit of misunderstanding between what is transformation of the business and what is to actually create new products and services. So transforming the business is actually transforming the way they work, the way they create value. Whereas innovation, you can isolate it as a particular, not so um, comprehensive exercise mm -hmm. that is, is only addressing certain parts of the organization, even though it's a, it's a strategic and complex initiative. And there's also a mix between what we call the changing the business and run the business, which is uh, when companies want the transformation, they need to understand that they have a business model in place currently, and they need to keep that functioning, operating, and actually adding, getting value from that. And that's fine. The, the way you, the tools, the processes, the capabilities that you have are already ingrained in the organization. Whereas in the transformation, we're talking about change the business. And you need to add or you need to contemplate different ways of processes, different capabilities, even changing the structure of the organization. And that's very difficult for organizations to understand. Mm -hmm. And another thing that we have uh, identified is the systems thinking. Uh, because usually these initiatives, most of the time it's true that they come from the CEO, but other times come from IT or even human resources. And they look at, they look at it from their point of view, their KPIs, or what are they trying to identify? I'll give you an example. So uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had a, a request for a big bank to put together an, an innovation training with a certification. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, a hackathon. So if you analyze this, this is coming from an HR uh, head where his own um, incentive is linked to their KPIs, which is how many people are being trained on innovation and how many have been certified. And what we, <clears throat> what we usually do is we put together the big picture is, okay, what is it actually you want to achieve? Mm -hmm. You want to achieve, you want to introduce a new way of working. So in order to do that, you need to first include more people in the organization. And secondly, think of it as comprehensive and long-term. Unfortunately, these things are not the current things that people want to hear. That's quite unfortunate, uh, Jorge, and, and I, have, I relate totally with what you say. The thing is that in organizations, sometimes we get confused with this, with the sense that we need parts in order to create innovation. But what we need is to create a mindset in people to develop initiatives that are producing innovation in the, in the company, but are particular to that specific industry, that are particular to that specific company. So it's not like you come already with like a set of solutions. Like, and, and that's a little bit what 
the, the crazy thing is that there is no really a roadmap, even when you talk about with the big consulting companies, BCG, McKinsey, that you can implement and say, we are bringing innovation. And the second point that you have highlighted is that it's not a one-off exercise. You cannot bring innovation like 2023 is going to be the year of innovation. No, it is kind of something that you have to maintain, create, because I don't know, competition is there because changes are happening recurrently. Changes are happening today, even more rapidly than, than before. So you need, in fact, to train people to think in that continuous change, to embrace the change, to be a little bit more risk-taking. And it's not about providing them just the tech, the digital solutions uh, and throwing trainings about, about that. It is about training more people in terms of their mental capacity to create change. Yeah, in, in that perspective, there's a couple of dilemmas that you, you face in, in organizations. You say, should I start first with training or should I just jump into projects? Or should I start with mindset and then add the tools? And I would say like anything in life, it's a, a little bit of both. Yes, you, you need to start training, but there's a one point that training is good enough to start the projects. So you need to understand that um, get a little bit of training to get the, the wheel rolling mm. and then add some projects that um, they are a priority for the, the organization. Mm. This is not a game. This is not a play. Yes, maybe not the most important project in the organization, but something that is actually a challenge for the organization and it's linked to your long-term goals or your strategy. And the other one, when, when it comes to, is it first mindset or is it tools? I think from what I've seen, the tools help change the mindset. So when you are introducing new tools, you are forcing, and maybe that's not the right word, but you are facilitating people, <laughs> that's a better word, to, to, to think in a different way. Mm -hmm. Because I'm going to ask you first, what's your customer problem as opposed to uh, how can we make more money? And that way I can, I can push you to start in, a, in what would be backwards, right? But they say Amazon talks about the, the backwards approach. Uh -huh. um, so yeah, it's, it's um, yeah. Tell me, so when you're talking about tools, let, let me understand clearly the, the, the picture. So you're talking about tools, you are talking about software, or you're talking about the processes, like how to think in an agile way, or are you thinking about, let's buy, I don't know, SAP, let's buy Salesforce. What I, define a little bit more. Okay, so... It could be an IT tool, but the most important part is the process. Mm -hmm. The process and the, the support that has that process. Because that way you are, at the end of the day, you're, you're introducing a new way of working. Yeah. It's a, it's, a, it's a way of working that is kind of counterintuitive sometimes from what we've learned in uh, in school or in in uh, business school and that's why you need to start enforcing that mm. 
Uh, and it's also very important to start with the leadership as well, because then they will not understand what the teams are doing. They would think that they're wasting their time. So IT helps, but it's not the solution as a summary. Okay. And again, totally with you. This is something that that I, thanks to you partially, in fact, that I, I have understood a little bit better about, about the process itself. It, it is very difficult in industries where you have work in, in the realities of something that is forecastable. So for instance, I need to implement a solution that is going to be ready in 10 months time and it's going to cost me this amount of, uh, of, of money and I have the requirements. So it's like what we call the cascade approach, something that is planned, no? We do like a big project business case and 10 months later, we have the solution. And that's success. We have the solution. We don't care if people are using it or not. And then suddenly, we are talking about change and we are talking, no, we cannot really know where we are going to be 10 months ahead. We can only know where we are going to be next month because mm -hmm. we are going to do iterations. We are going to prioritize, I don't know, features for a solution or for a change that we want to drive in, uh, in the company. And nothing is forecastable. So you cannot even create like a budget saying, I'm going to spend in year one X. It is very difficult and it goes against the human nature, basically, because we are we are saying, I I don't know what the future is done uh, fr from. I know just the the outcome that people should be using my stuff and that that is something that is evolutive. But that's it. I don't know even how much I'm going to be spending. It it, it is a big problem to change the our mindset, right? Yeah, and it it, it ties back to the the way companies have been built. The companies at the beginning, they're, they're all been startups and they've all been able to manage uncertainty, which is what we're talking about, yeah. and risks. As they grow, they need to put process in place and the processes become those, uh, we call it the immune system because it protects the, the, the business model that you've created that you know it works. So... That's where when you come up with a new idea or a new business model, product or service, you're going against that. And they're doing their job. That's what we need to understand. The support units, which usually are tend to be looked as the blockers in the organization, they're doing their job. So there has to be a negotiation between the, the part of the company who wants to create products and services and the immune system to create what they call the sandbox, which is where and how do we can we risk? Can we experiment? And hmm. it, it should be a controlled environment because both parties on one side, on the experimental part, they need some window to start testing and operate. And on the other side, you just cannot put in uh, in risk the whole organization. And you have a business that works. So let that business work. Give me some chance to start testing certain things without breaking everything. Uh-huh. You know, it is something that you and me, we are familiar. We we are entrepreneurs. That's number one. Secondly, we, we work a lot with technology. Uh, and 
the mindset of an entrepreneur, especially in tech, is how am I going to make it in 10 months time, in what in 12 months time, if I keep on just burning money, I I will my company will not have any su success. And it's almost like, well, the the origin of this, the model of transformation that is used in most of the company that is called the linear startup has been inspired out of the tech industry where the priority is about reducing the risk of failure. So controlling your costs, how can I quickly experiment something tomorrow without spending money like in big companies with a market research or whatsoever? And how can I quickly validate assumptions that might be right or might be wrong? Um, so the Linux Startup approach has been made quite famous and inspired from, uh, for, from the tech entrepreneurial uh, world uh, to bring agility and innovation. So, but the thing is that when you bring that to big companies, does it really work? Does it really make sense? Or is it all fantasy? We, I have heard one side and the other. What is your opinion, Jorge? Okay, well, um, I would like to start by, by defining uh, what is popularly known or, or heard about the, the Lean Startup that was coined by Eric Ries. And in reality, the principles behind the Lean Startup is the experiment, the scientific method. And if you're, you're an engineer as well, so you know what that means. It means I, I do some research, I find a hypothesis or an assumption, and then my first, my next thought is, how can I know if this is true or not? Mm. And you build something, which we call an experiment, to validate or invalidate that. You get data and you continue your journey. That's exactly what is uh, the Lean Startup. So is using the, the, the scientific method in business, which I think it was about time, to be honest. Yeah. Um, why is coming from the IT world? Because they are the closest to an engineer or a, or a scientist in an organization that um, had that problem, that they were building too many things and they were not going anywhere. They were just wasting too much effort and too much resource. So that's, that's where it's coming from. And the, the question of why it works or not, it like always, it depends. There are cases, there are cases of success um, in the incorporations. We have General Electric and we have Intuit among the most famous ones, but I'm sure there's, there's more in the last uh, five to 10 years that they've introduced that into the organization. And introducing that has its challenges as well, because it's not copy paste. Again, mm. we're going back to, you cannot bring something from somewhere else you need to find your own solution but that, we have corporations that are doing a great job on that and and they're finding value on doing that and i will come that come to that when it comes to startups i think it's more clear that that works especially in times like now where the investments for startups are going to be reduced or are reducing when we are in moments of investment abundance probably I'm not saying 100% but probably in the most cases you just build it because you have the you even have the pressure from the investor 
to build it. So if you have the, the investment, most probably you're going to end up building it. I'm not saying it's the right, uh, it's the right solution, but that's what happens. But when, it, when the investments are reducing because of the economy and the interest rates, it's most likely you, you're going to have to leverage on the lean startup or the scientific method. And there are famous examples like Dropbox, Wealthfront, which is a robot advisor, is, is quite big in the US, or Buffer, which is the company to, to help you manage your social, social media. How about my experience? Um, I've, I've seen cases where it has worked, and I've, I've seen cases we have where it hasn't worked. And let's focus on the, on the ones that I, I've seen that worked. And what I've seen is that, first of all, you need leadership commitment. Secondly, you need a uh, case for change. And, and this is very common to, to any uh, change management or any transformation that you bring in. You need to put together why you're doing this, right? And then you need to have both the capability and also the governance. And the governance is what I was talking about uh, before. What is your sandbox? Do you have a, have you negotiated that window where you can actually test with reality, with the world? Um, so I'll give you a couple of examples that I think uh, they've worked. Uh, one is a, is an international company, it's worldwide present and it's more than a hundred years old and they're going through a, a big transformation. And on top of that, there's a, they are in an extremely regulated environment. And the questions were always, yeah, but we are in an extremely regulated environment. How are we gonna test things? Well, you find your ways. And at the end of the day, you need to talk to the immunity, immune system to understand what is the window. Um, what is it that they, they achieved? They managed to increase the number of ideas tested. Mm. They also um, engaged people in testing uh, the new ideas fast. And because this was also a transformation journey, internally, people were saying that they wanted to work this way more than the traditional way. So as you can see, there's um, benefits not only for the business, but also for the, the employees. And that links to the, to the new, not new, I would say the, the trend for the last 10 to 15 years. Ivan, you and myself, we're all already. <laughs> exactly. We don't represent the majority of the people in, in organizations. And these this generation, they're asking for new ways of working. They're asking to um, to express their creativity. They're asking to, you know, to to be more into sharing their ideas, and and this links perfectly with that. Actually, there was another company we we helped with, and the whole transformation, the whole program, was coming from inside people were asking to, to change. And they were actually having a lot of people leaving the company, not for economical reasons, but just because they were joining more exciting companies. Mm -hmm. 
So that's that's another benefit. The let me give you another example, and then uh, we can we can <laughs> reflect on this. There was um this is a an a telecom operator in in the Middle East where it was they were going through a digital transformation. We were part of the of the program of the initiative, and by embracing these uh, ways of working, we managed to reduce time to market by half in in the products that we were developing, and we increased the customer experience, the customer satisfaction by three. Huh. That's quite amazing. Jorge, the, the way you are telling me the story, what I'm hearing, and that's maybe this, my biases, is that um, culture, changing the culture has, is something that is quite important in order to induce change in a company. You cannot have the same values than before if, or if, People do not relate to new behaviors that, that needs to be applied. How am I going to drive my business if I am a, an accountant, if I am an IT developer, if I am a marketeer? So it seems that the role of the mindset in order to create this sense of, I want to do the change because change even at, the, and we know that, change at the individual level is super difficult. Tomorrow we decide, hey, I want to lose weight, I need to go to the gym, then we do it a couple of days and then we drop it and then we forget about it because our motivation went to hell. Organizations, in fact, behave quite similar in a, yeah. as, as an, an individual. They This change gets them a little bit tired. The motivation dries if you have to. But people change not when they have to, it's when they have found something that is meaningful for them. So this is where your story about the why, but the why is not about the why, it's about making much more money, is a change that is bigger than just making money for the shareholders or having being number one in, in, market, uh, in market share in, in, in a specific market. It is about why am I, do, am I selling, I don't know, cookies? Is it to bring happiness around, uh, around people? So the drivers of engagement, to do the change are quite important so that it doesn't be it doesn't become a little bit like the story about going to the gym tomorrow. We will do it, but then we will drop it, right? So what do you think are the essential elements that we need to have to, to make people want and sustain this movement for the longer term? Oh. That's the million dollar question. And <laughs> I must say, question. Uh, yeah, <laughs> the, the whole change management is a, is a huge topic. And I think it touches every single project that we do in our life uh, or most of it. Um, but I would say, um, yeah, starting with the, with the why, why this company is what it is. And it goes back to the mission or the purpose, whatever you want to call it. Mm. That needs to be clear. And as you said, I think the times of we're here to make money are gone. Um, or at least in some parts of the world. Mm. Uh, it needs to resonate with the people and more and more needs to include um, 
impact into the into the world how sustainable it is um why why are you here how you make um life or or her, uh, the world a better place mm. how are you contributing what is your footprint mm. what are you going to leave after you you're gone and companies need to spend a little bit of time on that and they want to be they need to believe on it Exactly. Seen, exactly. Seen... Because that happens also that there is the soldiers who believe on that and then suddenly the generals are just doing it not yeah. for the right reasons, right? Yeah. So th that's a, a good starting point. And then um, at the end, we, we all want to be to contribute and give people or or at least the people who want to be involved let them be, be involved. You don't need everybody to change a company. Mm. I don't know the numbers, but I, I'm sure it's, it's not more than 20%. So try to engage with those and give them a role, give them some sort of responsibility and allow them to, you know, to start testing, to have that window of, of opportunity where they can run their own ideas without judgment. That's the... That's the important part. And think of it as, you know, even in the language, there's a lot of things that are happening. When people are saying, talking about failure, I know it's a very common topic, but it works. When you translate and you turn the bad words into positive words where you say, we're learning, so that's fine. The more we learn, the more we will progress. Hmm. So it's it's important the language and finally put the right tools, processes, and capability. Yeah. Coming back to your to your to the part about capabilities. So <clears throat> what I have observed uh, is that in terms of capabilities, people, in order to beat this natural resistance to change, uh, it's not something that can happen like let's do like a program of a, like a university for one month and let's train everybody because change uh, or what we call meta skills, I mean, skills like having a positive mindset, having resilience, having, having the, uh, the possibility to learn creative psychological processes, mental processes to, in order to keep on and be innovative. That is something that you learn by practicing and by practicing, you need time. So it, it cannot be like, let's do three days of training and everybody's training. Halas. No, it has to be something that is continuous because people need to, um, to get rid of everything to almost rewrite like new codes in their brain that is going mm -hmm. to limit their capacity to their adversity to change. Because we have it, we have it written. It's, it's made to protect us, not to change. If we stay as, as we are, we are going to be protected. We are going to be surviving. And change means danger. So I don't know if it's going to work. And on top, if we keep this, um, all things from the past, judging something as failure or not, then of course people are not going to be trying. Only by trying things and sometimes failing that people learn and becomes more innovative. So capability building is almost like a journey where People have to be continuously trained into practice of, mm. of everything that you have decided to be the behaviors that represents the new culture. So 
be uh, any because it needs to be clear and i'm talking about behaviors because it's actions that you are that are visible it, it cannot be just big sentences that looks like aspirations for the future it has to be real actions and people need to be trained so that change happens and i i feel like this is something that facilitates the life of, of any company that is that is changing now i got lost jorge i need to get back to the to the point and I wanted to have your your take about huh, failures. So when we are talking about when changing organization doesn't work. So I, I mentioned to you that 70% of, uh, of companies are failing in the transformation. So what are the usual suspects? What What is the main reasons why they, uh, these organizations fail? Okay, I can talk from my experience, and I would like to, I would like to throw a phrase that is, um, how many books on basketball do you think um, Michael Jordan ever read? Uh, maybe zero. <laughs> but it's the number of hours that he practiced, right? Combined yeah. with talent, genetics, whatever it is, right? But mm -hmm. it's in essence is. The, the practice is, is the driver, is the driving effort to, to get into, into change. And mm -hmm. what I would say is one very key is a leadership commitment. And that is walking the talk. Mm. It's not only agreeing on a, on a two days workshop done in, a, in the Caribbean island. It needs to be every single, at least every single time there's a, an opportunity to, to introduce and implement change. Um, the other one would be to progress according to the speed of your organization. And that's a very fine line because uh, I've seen both extremes where they want to transform tomorrow. They put a five years comprehensive plan of millions of dollars. And I've seen the other approach, which is, nah, let's try with uh, three people half time on Fridays. Like there has to be a middle ground mm. uh, of commitment in terms of resources. Um, so start small, but have in mind that you need to progress and you need to combine and you, you eventually you need to include the whole organization so that there, there is a middle ground hmm. and finally uh, try to try to the results that you're achieving a it's a combination of change and actual business results because at the beginning what you're going to be doing is using two three four teams whatever depending on the organization to actually identify the blockers of the organization. Those blockers are already progress. Instead of saying we failed or we didn't achieve the development of this product, you can always think about how many blockers you have identified and unblocked and turned into your process or framework of innovation. Hmm. Because that's progress is, is very important 
to develop your own framework according to your own organization. Mm. I'm not sure if that's clear enough. Uh, I kind of got it. But then what I'm thinking is that the role of a CEO who wants to transform an organization is really painful. I mean, imagine the guy has been in an organization that maybe is stably growing and, and suddenly he needs to, to create change in order to, to bring value. So he lives in a world where he's going to be judged according to results, but is results the best KPI to measure change in an organization? What could be the, these KPIs that a CEO can, can have during the, the times of trans transformation? So there's always two sides, right? It's the leading and the lagging KPIs. The, when it comes to leading, because it, it, they're faster to, to measure, is the time dedicated to, to change, the number of ideas that have been implemented, the number of teams, the number of experiments, those are the leading KPIs that should be important for the CEO at the beginning. And then step-by-step, step, identifying what are the results mm. that will those will bring. And in the medium term, the results should be, or think of it as your, your innovation framework, you should think of it as a product in your organization where you need to develop it according to your organization. So you're using the Lean Startup to develop your, your framework. Hmm. So the first teams, the results, not necessarily are business results, but blocks, blockers in the organization that you can turn into a solution or a feature that will help you or will help the next team to develop and to implement and to test faster. I'll give you an example. If uh, one team at the beginning realizes that procurement has a, a policy that says that um, if everything that goes, everything, every single cost needs to be approved by procurement manager. Exactly. How, how about if you say, well, if it's for, for experimentation, I would say every single experiment has $3,000 of worth of, of um, budget that doesn't need to be to procurement, mm. the first experiment. If that experiment doesn't go well, that's fine. It's, it's the end of the experiment and that's it. However, if, if it turns positive, then you can put a policy that says, well, if you want to increase that uh, idea, and you want to go for six thousand or ten thousand dollars, then procurement should be involved in in um, mm. signing off. So that you can put in place certain policies, or you can adapt your policies to your experimentation in order to speed things up. I I want to define Jorge, if you don't mind, a little bit the definition of experimentation because we mentioned before that. This is a story about the Lean Startup. There were a, a bunch of kicks in engineering. So 
Don't think about experimentation, about something that is going to take ages and that is going to be someone in front of a piece of paper. That's correct. Designing something by in his own. Experimentation means validation of assumptions with reality. Reality mm. means getting out of the uh, of the office, not being in front of the, of the computer and getting experiment done within something that is quick. Like, can I validate if people once need something in the area of mobile telephony, like tomorrow, can I go and interview uh, uh, people directly? So it's something that is done like on the spot, directionally. You don't need to have data points, 10 million data points in order to decide as, uh, of, of a direction. You need to have just the direction. So you don't need to too many, too much time to invest. It's something that you do in a quick, fast, agile manner. But the yeah. key point about the experimentation is that you need something to measure if it is it worked or not. Mm. Right? So it, it goes back to the scientific method, right? Where you have you have identified an assumption, and this assumption can be it should be part of a new product, service, or business model. You have isolated that question that you have, and then you develop some KPIs and a, a, a test, a, a, sometimes they call it MVP. That's why I don't want to introduce this concept because the MVP is the vehicle to validate or invalidate your, your assumption. Mm. And that's an experiment. There is the, I build something with the idea of validate or invalidate a hypothesis. I launch the experiment and then I get results and those results will lead to a conclusion. Sometimes and most of the time, especially at the beginning, experiments give you more insights than that just the hypothesis that you want to test. Mm. They're very valuable. Just for the matter of, <clears throat> of definition, MVP stands for Minimum Viable Product which is in fact like a prototype, a quick and dirty prototype or something that will help me to answer one of the key questions, especially when we are entrepreneurs, does somebody wants my stuff? Would they pay for it? And am I capable of doing that stuff, right? I prefer the second definition that you said. Quick and dirty? It's more the that vehicle, that thing that you build to validate or invalidate something yeah. doesn't necessarily mean that it's it's usually a prototype, but it can be something else. Mm. But it's not the first version of your product. It's usually not the very first. It should, yeah, exactly. It yeah, can be. Yeah, you're right. It, it can be used in the in different uh, different contexts. Um, <clears throat> listen. So I, we have time still for one question more that I wanted to ask you. So. Is there a roadmap or process to start change and the risk in the impact of this? We, we have been talking quite a lot about this natural human resistance to change uh, and, and to create, in fact, something that is like sustainable for in creating innovation. This a terminology that you mentioned to me several times, this creating an innovation engine. Is there, is there a like, type of order of doing things how, how can I start without a big program and without a company where it's going to cost me like an arm and a leg? I want to start like today. So it's, um, 
it's interesting. I would like to connect the things that we've discussed today on the scientific method, on the experimentation, and on, on the MVP, the minimum viable product. And in this case, we used a concept that was developed by Dan Toma, one of our partners, mm -hmm. who has a book, it's called The Corporate Startup, which is a very good framework to start your innovation engine. And what is a, he defines the, the minimum viable ecosystem. So what is that? Uh, at the end of the day, to start innovation in a company, as, as we were saying, it's, it's a complex thing and it, it has more, has different pieces. So you need to identify those pieces and you need to put together enough to start that team or two or three teams and they are start running across the organization and, and identifying those blockers to make this framework bigger and eventually cover the whole uh, the whole organization. Uh, there's, um, there's a very good phrase by Jim Collins that says, bullets before cannonballs. And that's what we are, that's what we are um, going for. Where, we use smaller teams to identify the things that might work or might not work. And once we know that things that work, we multiply or we leverage on that or we double down. And that's the meaning of uh, bullets before cannonballs. Before the big investment, let's use the bullets to identify what works and what doesn't. And once we are ready, we, we have validated that this is a good idea that is valuable for the organization, we can use the cannonballs. So our approach is always to think of that MVE, which is usually two, three teams that are running across the organization and they are they they have something clear, which is there are two things that they're looking for. One is obviously the progress on the project that they have in hands, but the other one which is more important is identifying the blockers in the organization. So the head of the transformation can start adjusting the current processes of the organization to allow that window where we we're talking about, the sandbox. Mm. As you are defining the blockers and identifying and turning that into your innovation framework ecosystem, then you can go into bigger or even more complex projects where instead of three departments, you have five or seven. And eventually you have all the organization running because they have the right governance, they have the right leadership in place, and it's it's uh, you you're changing the way they're working. Uh, <clears throat> what it strikes me is <clears throat> the importance of creating these smaller teams at the beginning. Uh, these, I mean, as as you mentioned, not everybody wants to change, but there is a small proportion of people in an organization that we see it like when there is a launch of new products, the, the, the early adopters, people yeah. who they want to the change, they already feel it that ch uh, change should be made. And they're going to be the biggest fans, the biggest catalyst of the change because they want really to do it. They already have the mindset and they will propagate the, the, world, the world around the, the rest of the company, right? 
It's funny that you mentioned it. This reminds me of a project that we did uh, with a um, water company, big water company in the Middle East. And the idea was to map the innovators in the organization. Mm -hmm. And it's funny how easy you can reach out to them, how open they are. It was literally asking each one of the departments who here has a lot of ideas, who's constantly uh, asking for or suggesting new projects. And, and we ended up with innovators in each one of the departments identified, mapped, hmm. and, and formalized because organizations know if you ask them, they will point at all the people who are curious, who are going beyond their role, who are suggesting constantly different ways of doing things. Those are the people, as you said, the early adopters that you can leverage on and you can push change. You don't need to, you don't need everybody to change. Indeed, indeed. Uh, hey, Jorge, so I, I want just to summarize a little bit the key points of what we, of the exchange today is that, <clears throat> so transformation, expect failure, make it part of your culture, transform your culture if you want that people behave differently with new changes, because it's not going to be enough to throw new big systems or to throw like uh, being intense trainings about digital, because whatever you learn today about digital in two months is over. It's too old already, right? So <laughs> the, the human aspect is anchored in the transformation itself. So you need to equip the people with the right psychological processes, the mental processes in order to want to change it, to continue it for the longer and uh, the, the longer processes. We have defined that KPIs in transformation is not an is not anymore about generating revenues out of the transformation because it is something that it is ongoing for the longer term. It is investing so that your company is going to be there in 10, 20, 20 years. But you care about it already now because the, it is so easy to disrupt a traditional company nowadays so that the risk is higher. The more we are progressing in the years, the risk is higher. A new startup can come, copy and paste your business model and you're out of the market. So it is important to have KPIs such as the number of learnings, experimentations that you have mm. uh, you have driven uh, in the in the in the company. Uh, what else? We have been discussing also that capability building is partially to get to rewrite the code that makes us resistant to change, and that takes a little bit of time. It cannot be sorted out with a couple of LinkedIn learnings or with intense three days uh, course. It is something that you practice, and you gave the. the also, the right example with the um, with the um, basketball player. I don't remember the name of the basketball player. Michael Jordan. Because you know how much I know about sports, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so it's about the practice. So you learn, you become good at what you do by practicing recurrently. So you want to get rid of the, this fear of failure in your company. You want to make your people more innovative with the right mindset for change. So you need to give them the lead to practice. That's my takeaway. What about you, Jorge? What are your last points to uh, to mention? Well, yeah, it's um, think of it as a long-term um, transformation. Uh, think of it as, as phases. 
Uh, start with the people, start with leadership, and then put the right pieces as you go because nobody nobody has the answer. Uh, every company is different, every organization is different, and you need to adapt this to your to your needs. And leadership should be extremely committed and walk in the talk. Mm. They should be the first ones to show that fear of failure and it's, it's, it's not always easy. Um, companies are co companies that are now nowadays alive or they've been around for the last 50, 60, 100 years, they've been doing certain things well and that's the business model. So the people who are being raised in that organization, raised as in the culture and the values, they've been learning for a long time not to fail. So it's a big counterintuitive mindset change. Mm. And, and it takes time. And then put the, the right tools in place, the the pieces of the of the ecosystem. Jorge, you know what I was thinking when you were talking is that there are already companies, in fact, that are celebrating failures. So yeah. there is a specific day where people are exchanging about their biggest failures in the company so that people learn from each other. And of course, trying is already something that is already good. And when there is one idea that doesn't fail, it, it means that it was the idea. Jorge, how can people reach you out? So. We know that you are always moving from country to country. That's number one. Uh, so how can we know a little bit more about transformation? If if I'm interested to know more about how can you help me in my company? How can I reach you? Well, you can always uh, go to our website, uh, www.innoway.me, which is I N N O way.me and there you can you can book for for half an hour of conversation with me or you can go to my linkedin profile it's jorge castellote mm -hmm. i will write it down when we when we are posting this episode or you can reach out to me on twitter those are the things that i i usually use jorge you cannot believe how what a pleasure to really discuss now live because we have been discussing this in front of food or in front of drinks, but I really loved the, what you are doing, uh, especially the scale of, of how you are doing the things because it is not always easy to deal with, uh, with consulting firms that, that can advise you in something in particular, like let's say strategy or let's say digital implementation, I have the impression that you have succeeded to put together different parts of what is necessary in order to drive successful change in, in, in corporations from the human side, from the capability side, from the processes side, and the wealth of experience that you and your team have. This is amazing. Thank you very much, Jorge, for today. Thank you, Ivan, for finally formalizing our thoughts and our conversations. And hopefully this will provide some value to people. Thanks.